Superhero Stuff You Should Know is part of the Greenlit Podcast Network. Hey, this is Ben from Superhero Stuff You Should Know, and I have an important announcement for you guys. At the end of every single episode of Superhero Stuff You Should Know, you might hear a shout out to our fans, one of whom is Matt Herring, who was one of the original Superhouse fans. He's always given us his support, and now it's time that we support him. Uh, we've just recently found out that Matt has been diagnosed with stage 4 colon cancer. And as a cancer survivor myself, I know personally that there's a lot of emotional and financial strain that comes into that. Uh, his wife, Kelly, has set up a GoFundMe account at GoFundMe.com slash F slash Matthew hyphen kicks hyphen cancer 039S hyphen butt. Uh, and hopefully you can help reduce the financial strain to that as well as some of the emotional strain that comes with that. Again, that's gofundme.com slash F slash Matthew dash kicks dash cancer 039S dash butt. Matt Herring was the first, I guess you could say, true Superhouse fan. We were Superhouse at that time. You know, the first fan of this podcast and what we do here and um, has always supported us, talked about us, and um, he's from a town close to where I'm from, and uh, so we share that as well, and just a huge superhero fan, and, you know, nerd like the rest of us, and now he's going through that, and uh, if you could donate just at least any amount of money to that link that Ben just said, that would be truly appreciated just hang in there matt you'll beat this thing soon Welcome, everyone, to a special mini-episode of Superhero Stuff You Should Know, a Superhouse podcast. This is Ben, the man who knows too much about Batman, and with me as usual... Man, you know who it is. It's it's Andrew, everybody. Um, I didn't want to do too crazy of an intro for this one, given the subject matter. Yes. So, yeah. We do these minis every now and again. You'll see them. They're not monthly or anything, but they come up. So, uh, yeah, take it away, Ben. Yeah, so... This is a mini-episode for anyone who doesn't know the full story of what's been going on with these Justice League movies. There was one in 2017, and now there's a new one on uh, HBO Max that's now four hours. What's up with that? If you don't know the full (laughs) story, or if you've seen both versions but you don't know exactly why there's a Snyder Cut or why they even had that version in the 2017 version, uh, this is for you or whoever you want to forward this over to. So let's dive into what I'll call quote, why releasing the Snyder Cut was true justice. Oh, shit. So, it's called the Snyder Cut, obviously, because the director, Zack Snyder, is the director of Man of Steel and Batman vs. Superman, and obviously, Zack Snyder's Justice League. These were three films out of a five-movie arc that he had planned, with Justice League 2 and 3 already mapped out, and in terms of how far it's been mapped out, just to give you an idea, Batman vs. Superman and the Justice League trilogy were outlined out before Batman vs. Superman was shot. Wow. Uh, According to Snyder, Warner Brothers thought the original Justice League movie ideas that he had with Chris Terrio were too risky, and so he and Chris Terrio were forced to rewrite it. So already, the version that we got is not the original 
uh, it's not even the original Justice League version that he wanted to do, but it's pretty close. You know, it's way closer, yeah. obviously, than, than the one that came out in 2017. Uh, but just to show awareness, you know, we know naturally this happens. You know, with Studio Temple films, there's a whole bunch of scripts that are made or unmade. The studio, for better or worse, does own the rights to these characters. And yeah. people like Christopher Nolan or Zack Snyder, or Tim Burton, all these people sort of come in as, as creatives to bring their vision of that specific character to life, but they don't own these characters. So uh, I just wanted to acknowledge that up front because this isn't just about like, you know, Zack Snyder, you know, he should do everything of DC. It's purely about what happened and what led to this Justice League movie. I mean, shit, if Bob Kane and Bill Finger don't technically own (laughs) Batman, you know, they definitely don't own him. You know, it's it's a corporate corporate entity, really, you know, as sad as Mm -hmm. it is to say that, I mean... That's just how it is, you know? Yep, yeah. So, Batman vs. Superman comes out in March 2016, and it's due to... It's basically met with poor critical reception, very low, you know, Rotten Tomato scores, a lot of controversy about, you know, why is this so dark? Why is why are Batman and Superman fighting? Why is this so long? All those sorts of why criticisms. Why are they fighting? Uh, it happens a lot in the comics. <laughs> That's not exactly Snyder's fault. Right, but uh, maybe it's, it's the reason why they were fighting in this specific movie, I think, is what the people... Because, I mean, Batman vs. Superman kind of introduced the idea to non-comic readers about Batman and Superman just being able to fight each other or even existing in the same universe to, you know, a lot of the uninitiated. I remember it, there being just comments on, or reading some articles, I don't even know if it was from a credible source, but, you know, they're on set in London, Pinewood Studio, and it just became like a real dour mood on set for Justice League. Uh, mm-hmm. because the reviews for Batman vs. Superman were just not good. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I wonder. So, that's probably true, but I, I wasn't there, so I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he's working on... Snyder's working on Justice League while this is happening. So it's not like they can take him off Justice League right now because he's already working on it Yeah, and in 2016. Um, mind you, also, a lot of Batman vs. Superman was cut down in the theatrical version that was released, and it was yeah. the Ultimate Edition, which is, you know, I think universally agreed to be the superior cut of the film as we saw when we examined it in our own series it is better so, but it's just not yeah. it's still not great right but again we don't know how much interference was in that version but that's a whole other thing entirely uh i would say for here though in terms of what we're covering the history wise this is sort of the beginning of why there is a snyder cut so due to this response we uh let's start with warner brothers chairman at the time was a man named kevin sujahara and he tells Snyder, you have to be supervised now by two major executives. Either one of these guys have to be on set at any time. So one of them is Jeff Johns, who is a famous comic book writer, uh, as well as DC Entertainment Creative Chief at the time, as well as a DC Films executive named John Berg. So it's Jeff Johns and John Berg. Uh, either one of them has to be on set during the production. You can't do anything without either one of them there. This is way before Whedon reshoots. This is during Justice yeah. League production. Wow. Yeah, yeah, in 2016, due to the response from Batman vs. Superman. So, according to Snyder, Johns and Berg mainly asked for more humor in the movie, which is why some of the jokes that we saw in the 2017 cut were actually shot by Snyder, were shown in trailers before Snyder left the project, but were cut from the Snyder cut because those were studio-mandated and not what he originally wanted. Right. Uh, Again, just to throw this out there, we acknowledge this film is, you know, film in general is a collaborative process, a lot of directors do have to deal with executives or studios 
based off what they want because they are the ones giving the money and who own the rights to these characters. So right, right, right. this isn't necessarily all that unusual here. Okay. Uh, what's reported is that in 2017, Snyder had a finished, well, not necessarily finished, but he had a four-hour cut of the Justice League movie. No effects were you know, finished. It was very, it's basically a rough cut at this, which is, again, natural for part of the process. This is part of movie making. You, you put together kind of an assembly cut and you show it to the execs just to show what you know how far things are going along at that right, point right right so kevin sushihara watches this in 2017 and he says that okay i don't like this it's way too long and he asked snyder to cut down the film by half from four hours into two hours snyder feels that it's impossible to do that because he has to introduce all these heroes in a world domination plot in just two hours especially given the fact that the only people who had solo films were superman and wonder woman and then, you know, throw in Batman and the fact that he was in Batman versus Superman and he's a relatively, he's a more well-known character than like Flash, Cyborg, and Aquaman at this right, point. Right, right, So this is kind of on the studio side is all the stuff that was leading up to it. But there's a, there's a layer of tragedy that we have to sort of go into, which is the next part and the next major factor, which is the death of Zack Snyder's daughter, Autumn. Now, much has been reported about her death, but I think we should cover more info about her life. I gotta say, I do have a morbid curiosity about this that I have not uh, done much research on. I'm sure I could have, but that's why. Curiosity about talking to you. You know, why'd she kill herself? Uh, You know, how'd she do it? Um, Look, man, I know it's dark, but I think it's common for people to have more. We don't have the details on in terms of how she did it. You know, okay, and I think that's probably down to the Snyder's, and that's you know at the end of the day, that's not really going to change. Oh, I respect that privacy. I mean, I'm not, <laughs> but yeah. if it's in the news already, you know, I you right, know. right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, so, and this is mainly from an article in Vanity Fair by Anthony Bresnikan, and this is the most that I could find on Autumn Snyder, which is natural given the fact that she wasn't you know the public figure like her dad was. Yeah. Uh, so, just to give you some information. Zack Snyder has eight children. Yeah. Uh, three of those children were adopted. And the first he adopted was Autumn. Okay. Uh, Autumn was Chinese. She was born in China in 1996. Okay. Uh, adopted by Snyder and his wife at the time, Denise Weber, in 1997, when she was just a little over one. Uh, and it was part of being, it was this role as an adoptive father, especially of a child from another country, that made the tale of Superman more appealing to Snyder. Since Superman's, you know, adopted child from another world kind of thing. So... Uh, obviously, that sort of played into how he wanted to do Superman or how he was inspired. That to do is interesting because I can definitely see him as one of those guys that, I mean, I don't know for sure, but it, he he seems like a guy that just doesn't like Superman or didn't at first. Being maybe when he was younger, because he's a you know he's kind of a dark bro. Right, but I mean, you I know? think by the time he did Man of Steel, he was obviously over that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, among all eight of Snyder's children, she was the comic book fan, according to him. Yeah. Uh, she, at the time of her death, she was going to Sarah Lawrence to study to become a writer. Unfortunately, uh, Autumn suffered from depression. Uh, okay. Snyder said that uh, in her writing, quote, her main characters are always in this battle with things from another dimension that no one can see. But it's a serious war, and that war was happening to her every day. So you can see how the Justice League's War of Dark Side is kind of a metaphorical one for having uh, mental health issues of fighting against your your demons, your parademons, or your literal Man, dark side in a way. There's something going on there, I think, in that movie because, uh, 
like people say Zack Snyder's dark and he is dark but I think this was I don't know just knowing his story knowing the artist but knowing the artist behind the art mm-hmm. I think kind of enhanced that experience and um you know it's not just Snyder being an edge lord like he right. he's in a dark place making this movie and uh you know trying to come out on top of it you know like it's it's not just dark for dark sake in a lot of ways so mm-hmm. uh, all that is just really interesting yeah yeah uh Snyder said that she would often wonder about her worth uh he said quote what is my worth what am i supposed to do what am i about was kind of what she was always wondering about uh, the article in Vanity Fair mentions that Snyder has a picture of Autumn wearing Victor Stone's Letterman's jacket. And it's kind of no surprise that Autumn may sort of feel connection to Cyborg. I'd speculate that, that maybe it's because of that connection that Snyder right. has Cyborg's line, I'm not broken and I'm not alone. Man, yeah, that was one of the, if not the biggest highlight of the movie. Right. Uh, in March 2017, Autumn committed suicide. And despite rumors that Snyder was fired, Snyder is on record... Uh, saying that in recent interviews when going back to that time period he said naturally he wanted to step away and focus on his family instead of fighting every day with the studio over this film Uh, he said quote we just lost the will to fight that fight in a lot of ways which again is very understandable I mean just just break the contract at that point man I mean what are you Mm -hmm. gonna do you know yeah yeah Uh, Autumn's favorite song was Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah uh, which was featured in Snyder's 2009 adaptation of Watchmen, as well as the trailer for uh, the Snyder cut, the first trailer that he put together for this HBO Max version. Uh, a cover it by her friend, Alison Crow was sung at her funeral uh, by Alison, okay. and it's that rendition, uh, it's that recorded version of the rendition that's played in the end credits of the movie. Okay. Uh, so you would think that with this going on, you have a director who has to step away due to a personal tragedy, and you have, you know, this bad critical reception from the previous movie. Why don't you just delay the release until he can deliver something that's good? Seems to be the common question at this point of the story. So let's go into a report from The Wrap from around 2017. They said, according to them, the big reason was that uh, there was AT&T and Warner Brothers were going to have, you know, AT&T was buying out Warner Brothers. There's going to be this merger coming out. Right. Uh, the heads of Warner Brothers, again, to Kevin Sujihara, who was the one who mandated the two hours, uh, two hour cut, as well as Toby Emmerich, who's president of Warner Brothers Pictures. According to an insider at the ramp, these two executives were due for bonuses attached with the film's release, or the film was to be released in 2017. Uh, The merger, however, given the fact that with a lot of corporate mergers, a lot of people are let go, uh, the merger may have forced them out of the studio in 2018. So if Justice League came out in 2018, they wouldn't get their bonuses for the movie's release. So Justice League had to premiere in 2017 for them to get the cash. So they decided to go forward with it with reshoots so that uh, they could essentially get their bonuses. Uh, In the end, deciding to keep the release date... uh, was kind of didn't turn out to be kind of a moot point because AT&T had to extend the deadline for the merger when uh, the president's justice department was pushing back on this because of the whole idea of AT&T being, you know, being a cable provider and content creator at the same time was kind of problematic. Okay. Uh, in their eyes. So, uh, that is what happened and later on Kevin Sujihara among uh, this group would later get ousted in 2019 in a sex scandal with actress Charlotte Kirk, where he was promising her roles in Warner Brothers movies in exchange for sex, 
despite having a wife and two kids. All this uh, like sleazy producer shit that you th- think is just a stereotype. And yep. a lot of it seems to be true. Him and Weinstein and a lot more probably that, you know, have, have been, uh, you know, thus far too slick to be caught maybe. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah, you know. It's a shame because Kevin Sujahara is the first Asian American to run a movie studio. A major movie studio. Yeah, it's, so, uh, it's like Warner Brothers is a fucking you know, nice Jap- representation. Japanese American uh, company, man. You yeah. know, and then now it's Walter Hamada, also Japanese American, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so with needing Justice League to release in 2017, they need someone else to sort of quote unquote write the ship, or at least because they didn't like the cut that Snyder had, they wanted reshoots, and Snyder wasn't available, so they primed their replacement, who as everyone knows, was Avengers director Joss Whedon. Joss Whedon was already working with Jeff Johns on a Batgirl movie uh, that was announced around the same time, I believe, uh, that he was doing that. I believe they announced that he was doing Batgirl before he was going to do the... uh, before he was going to do the uh, Justice League movie. Yeah, people wanted um, Nicholas Winding Refn to direct it. Yeah. Um. If you, go see Drive if you haven't seen Drive because uh, that movie fucking rules and his DP also needs to if he does it uh, you know if that guy needs to shoot it because goddamn, he has, mm-hmm. he has a great DP um, yep. anyway uh, let's see press releases said that Snyder had handpicked Joss Whedon to replace him uh, in light of this family tragedy obviously this was not true Snyder has denied this, uh, yet the actors were sort of told to say this for the sake of good publicity. Uh, One of the actors told to say this was, uh, of course, cyborg actor Ray Fisher. So this is where Ray Fisher comes in and his account of what happened during these reshoots. Uh, Last summer, Ray Fisher made it known about his true feelings when he tweeted a video of him in a convention in 2017 talking about how Joss was taking over from Snyder and uh, how, like, you know, Joss is a good guy and Snyder picked him for the reshoots and things are going well. And he accompanied this video with saying that he now would like to retract every word of that statement he said at that convention that he was essentially paid to say. Uh, Fisher has been the yeah. most outspoken critic of Joss Whedon from this production. In talking about his experiences with Whedon, he said that Whedon was reeling from the critical reception of his previous Marvel movie, Avengers Age of Ultron, in 2015 and was frustrated that people, quote, didn't get Age of Ultron. Uh, so <laughs> I don't Ray know Fisher, what he wanted them to get. Yeah. Ray Fisher felt that this was, quote, less about the work being presented and more sort of an ego stroke to say, well, look, if you like it in this movie, you should have liked it in that one. Ha ha, joke's on you, right. according to Fisher. So this is why people have noted that there's a repeated beat uh, uh, directly from Age of Ultron where uh, in that movie, Mark Ruffalo falls on Scarlett Johansson and his face lands right in her boobs. And the I mean, same thing if happens you make a mistake, with Ezra Miller we all falling know, on Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman. We all know if you make a mistake, if you just repeat that mistake one more time, it, it uh, cancels out. Yeah. We all know that, so. Yeah, of course. So <laughs> this could also explain this, the fact that this came from a frustration uh, maybe there's a reason like Joss Whedon never really took any press about this movie there's not really a lot of interviews of him talking about him taking over the movie or, or honoring Snyder's work which is extremely weird even if you don't know what's going on at this time uh, he doesn't even take a co-director credit considering how much he shoots on it 
the only credit that he has on the movie is as a screenwriter because he did write 80 pages of a new script, which we saw yeah, in the 27th. That Justice version. League technically has Snyder as director still in the credits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Whedon also apparently constantly referred to Wonder Woman as Natasha, which is Black Widow's name from Marvel. Was it constant? Uh, is it Was it constantly? Is that what he said? Yeah. Fisher said that, quote, he kept accidentally calling Diana Natasha, which is crazy stuff. This was the conversation that made me, uh, they made me have with him before giving me the script. There was a lot of belittling okay. on set. There was a lot of mocking both of previous works, actors, and people. Uh, he said, quote, listen, I don't like to take notes from anybody, not even Robert Downey Jr., <laughs> is what uh, Whedon apparently said to Ray Fisher. Wow. Uh, to this day, Whedon has not said anything about the allegations against him from Ray Fisher or from uh, the accusers that came out later on this. Probably for the best. Yeah, uh, but, but also says a lot. It says a lot, but that it's true. He's probably just wait until he's taken to court, maybe. I don't know, man. It's a fucking rough position. I, I mean, I want Whedon's money, but I wouldn't want to be Whedon. Right, exactly. Uh, Whedon, as I said, wrote 80 new pages of the script and got the screenwriting credit on the final product, uh, but goes uncredited as, as director for shooting three quarters of the movie we got in 2017. Uh, Let's put Snyder that in perspective for and everybody real quick. Usually a reshoot is like around two weeks... It's very common to have reshoots, um, you know, it ha mm -hmm. almost every movie. And people think, oh, they fucked up. They made a mistake. I've seen people say shit like that online. It's just, you know, there's maybe there's some minor mistakes or something, but it's usually around two weeks and they, you know, they fix it and or they add something to it that makes it better or whatever. Mm -hmm. And um, that's what maybe... God, I don't know, 10 pages? I don't know. It depends on the movie. But um, yeah, this is an extreme case where it's three months, which is a lot of movies' full full shooting time is three months. And the whole – this is this it's movie's – Basically a whole new movie. Two weeks to yeah. three months. Yeah. So it's it's just – you know, this this and Han, the Han Solo movie, like stuff like this was more or less previously unheard of. This mm -hmm. is sort of a modern-day movie thing where they – we see these like massive, massive reshoots. Yeah, and not so. necessarily for the better, as we've been seeing. <laughs> not for, for the better. This one, not in this case. Yeah. yeah. For this one, reportedly, they spent twenty-five million dollars for the reshoots that Joss Whedon provided, and because of this interference, the cut is known among fans as, as we call it, the Justice League. Twenty-five uh, million. So it's twenty-five million for, for three these months. That yep. sounds low. For this kind of movie, it feels like there probably would be more. They're yeah, lowballing exactly. it, I think. Yeah, probably just a just a safe face, maybe in terms of what the public I uh, think so. numbers are. I think so. Uh, Snyder leaves his name on it because remember, at this point, there wasn't really an option for him to put his. He doesn't know what shoots are going on. He doesn't know all the stuff. He just figures like you know this is the closest that people get to see to what he shot anyway. So sort of to to honor the fans. He decides to leave his name on there as well as his wife Deborah Snyder. Right. Yeah, she's uh, a producer. So, yeah. Yeah. Other things that happened during the production, since Henry Cavill was in the middle of shooting Mission Impossible Fallout, he had a mustache. <laughs> this is the most it's famous a, most yeah. famous oopsie. <laughs> Paramount did not allow him to shave it for the Justice League movie. Uh, I don't know why. It's, you know, I'm pretty sure Cavill would be able to grow that back in like a week or whatever. But uh, uh, dude, dude, Warner dude, Brothers Cav Cavill was probably he, Cavill's probably didn't say much because he's under contract or something. 
but I'm, I bet you, man, he's flying in to film like for four days in the UK and then back to Mission Impossible. Back to Mission Impossible, which was probably shot in America. I don't know where it was shot, but I think Cavill like had kind of a crazy month for in 20, whenever that was, 2017, 2016. Mm-hmm. Like, he was probably insanely busy. Like, and yeah, it's a contractual obligation for him to have that beard. So, yeah, uh, yeah, it was a crazy time for him, I'm sure. Yeah, uh, Warner Brothers notoriously decided to give him a CG shave and uh, decided to shave off the mustache. They put like the motion capture dots on the mustache to try to tape it down and everything and, and basically shave him in post. And we all know how that turned out. If you've seen any footage of that, you know that he basically looks like he's a cartoon from the basically from the nose down. It looks really bad yeah really really bad uh however that could have just been you know back in 2017 it was kind of just like kind of a laughable like haha like look at that but there's a lot more serious stuff that came that went on in these reshoots so ray fisher has publicly claimed that whedon was abusive on set and that the warner brothers executives specifically jeff johns and john berg were enablers uh to his actions uh gal gadot had told the los angeles times that she also had a negative experience uh, when working with Whedon and reported it. And, uh, you know, everything seemed to be taken care of to her satisfaction, at least. But if you think about it, like, you have Gal Gadot, who is, you know, just this new star who came from, you know, this hit Wonder Woman, who they want to please, versus Ray Fisher, who I imagine they see as a nobody right now because his big debut is this movie. Right. So uh, Deborah Snyder has corroborated hearing reports of Whedon uh, having prom- problematic behavior as well. Uh, and making matters worse is the fact that almost all the new characters that uh, who Whedon provided in this movie were white. So Whedon added a Russian family. He added a Robert played by Holt McElhaney in the beginning. He added uh, a white criminal who Barry Allen draws sharpies on his face. Yeah. Uh, and so yeah. All of them are all of them are white, and all the characters cut were people of color. So right. we got, uh, you know, like Mark McClure, coincidentally, is seems to be the only, uh, you know, cameo actor who's not one of the heroes brought back. Mark McClure being the uh, Jimmy Olsen actor from the Superman, Christopher Reeve Superman movies was brought back to shoot a different cameo. But uh, none of the following actors were brought back. Uh, African-American actors Kiersey Clemens as Iris West. African-American actors Karen Bryson as Eleanor Stone, uh, Cyborg's mother. Chinese actor Zhang Kai, credited as Ryan Zhang, uh, played Ryan Choi. Uh, even C. Amanda Maud, who played Linda Reed, the a- the waitress who gets help from Cyborg in a poignant scene in the movie, oh, uh, yeah. is a Chinese. She's a Chinese American actress. The one at the uh, ATM. The one at the ATM. Yeah. 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 So, meanwhile, both Victor and his father's stories were severely cut, with him being played by Ray Fisher and uh, Joe Morton. Uh, as well as Barry Allen's was cut down to basically be comedic relief. Barry Allen was played by Ezra Miller, who, even though they uh, play Barry Allen uh, as someone who only shows interest in women in, in the theatrical cuts we've seen, uh, Miller in real life identifies as queer and gender neutral, who uses they, them pronouns. So right. seems awfully not so coincidental that all the people of color and somebody who is part of the you know LGBTQ community uh, are the ones who are marginalized in favor of new scenes of Superman Batman and Wonder Woman. So you think, I mean, we're speculating here, but is that, um, God, it's like, it's just so, it just, 
how can I say this? It's so it seems so bad on the surface that you think it was definitely on purpose, or is it just subconscious on Whedon's part? Like I don't think anybody, you know, woke or not. I don't know. You just you have you must have some knowledge of what you're what you're doing there, and like what he did. Real. I mean, I mean, look at that list of everybody cut. You know, like mm-hmm. do you th- do you think he was like you know evil on purpose, or is this just some sort of you know subconscious mistake uh we have a quote okay so cyborg's story was truncated for the film snyder said that he's the heart of the movie as we've seen uh now that we've seen the the the, uh his cut according to ray fisher the reason that he was cut down was because jeff johns and the other execs told told him that quote they don't want an angry black man at the center of this movie oh my god wait 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 let me just okay Whedon said that to He Fisher. said Jeff Johns and the other execs said that to Ray Fisher. The, okay. I, I'm, I have a hard time processing this. Okay, so there's a stereotype for having called the angry black man. Mm-hmm. So, God, are they... Yeah, I mean, it sounds terrible. It's just... Maybe they wanted to stay away from that stereotype, but then, but then you're kind of... I don't know, man. It still doesn't. Something's still not right, is the, isn't it? I feel like this is a scenario. If you're in their shoes, where you ask the person involved, where you're yeah. just like, "Hey, we're afraid that this might come off of the stereotype. What do you think?" Because you're the one who's playing this and everything. And if you feel like this is problematic, then we should work together to fix it. It's, like you should it's ask. True. You ask the person who is affected by it. Don't think that you can say. What it's kind of like how we discuss, we talked about in an upcoming you know for you guys out there uh, this probably will release around the same time as our discussion of the movie but there was kind of a controversy about the Amazonian's armor how yeah. it's a little bit more revealing in the uh, in the Justice League movie compared to Patty Jenkins's uh, Wonder Woman and uh, one of the actresses who played the Amazons defended them saying like well no we're bodybuilders we want to show that off we want to show off muscles I felt strong in that instance yeah that's that's, that's yeah I mean you know. dude you, maybe some people could say we don't talk about this already but yeah um, it, it can come off as um, exploiting women um, in some sense to some people but uh, what we tried to say was we just kind of feel like um, they want yeah they the the act the actors themselves didn't feel exploited they didn't feel you know and it's 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 part and parcel of superhero genre too to show strength as well you know Mm -hmm. uh physical strength Mm -hmm. and do men are men the only ones that get to do this you know um and (laughs) snyder's already filmed a bunch of naked boys in 300 as well so you know i mean i don't know man exactly uh, mm-hmm. It's just, it's just, you know, showing off the 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 uh, the human form, and um, and it wasn't entirely gratuitous because um, they're using their strength to protect something in the story as well. So I don't know um, if, if you're, you know, uh, women listeners out there, we'll say this in the other episode as well. But let us know if we're if we're wrong. Let's start the discussion on this. We are two cis males talking about this issue and maybe we're idiots so um and yeah so back to the actual topic uh uh what's yeah they probably should have had a panel uh of you know african-americans to kind of review that 
Or just ask the actors who are playing those roles. Yeah. Like, you know, the ones representing this story. Do you think that yeah. this is problematic to the African-American community? And if they said no because of X reasons or, like, no, because, like, it's natural for him to be angry. And he, like, look, he, I don't think, I didn't watch this movie, the, the Snyder version, thinking, like, oh, this is so stereotypical when watching Cyborg. I just felt bad for Victor and wanted him to... Uh, sort of come into his own, which he does in the, at the end, which is right. exactly what you want to see. And right, this is right, the whole right. point of having Cyborg in this movie. Uh, but yeah, as, as I said, like when it comes to these issues, I, I feel like you kind of have to ask the people who are involved, who are part of that community, rather than make the decisions for them or speak for them. Because there's been a lot of, you know, as an Asian American male myself, there's been some times where people, uh, I see a lot of white people offended for something that uh, Asians that seems to them like racist towards Asians. Whereas to me, I'm just like, I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> you know, like, you know, like, I I, I, yeah, go ahead. I, I'm like, I, it's, it's weird to me to see this where I'm like, I'm cool with it, but maybe some other people aren't cool with it. But also if my, like if my Asian friends and I are laughing at it and you're offended by it for something that's supposed to be about us, it's kind of a weird gatekeepy feeling to it. Whereas if it's a bunch of white people who are offended on your behalf, it's kind of like, okay but why <laughs> like we should be angrier that's that type of thing again like right. this is also it, it can different people react to different things so there are certain things that you know uh maybe i might find it funny but another asian person won't as well so we have to acknowledge that there's there's a diversity as well among uh different groups in terms of their reactions so maybe yeah you know maybe they would have asked ray fisher and those actors and maybe some people still would have been angry but at least those actors who were playing the roles felt that it was a you know it was definitely a worthy exploration of character and, and wasn't something that was going to be racially stereotypical right yeah i mean dude fucking i'm white i can't really comment on that shit i understand <laughs> i mean i don't know right. i mean <laughs> i i've heard you know, being from the South, I've heard all kinds of shit, but, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Right, of course. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, um, it's just, we just gotta, we just gotta get more woke together, everybody. Mm -hmm. A little bit more, a yeah. little bit more woke, I guess. And me included, of course. Um, I, I'd never want to come off as, like, too virtue signally either, you know, like, I've made mistakes in the past myself, and, you know, we just... We grow, everybody. We grow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think there needs to be an element of forgiveness for that because of the fact that, like, if it's about education, you know, yeah. if it's about educating people on that, you know, how do you expect them to, quote-unquote, be better yeah. if you don't give them that chance to, to grow from that? Yeah, this so. is, uh, yeah, you, you know, you just got to have the conversation and not be afraid of a debate with people. Um, God, am I even on topic anymore? But, you know, just, yeah, <laughs> just just keep talking to it people, is man. related, yeah. Keep talking yeah, yeah. to people, you know, don't 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 just yell on Facebook or fucking post some dumbass meme. Like, reach out mm -hmm. and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll all grow together, everybody. Yes, yes. So, uh, but that was what Ray Fisher was told was that, quote, they don't want an angry black man at the center of the movie and Dude, Ray Fisher that's, obviously was not happy about this this is such a it's uh, every every race topic is so um, it's more complex than than uh, I mean it's it's simple in the fact that they were wrong I'm not saying that they're right mm -hmm. in any form or fashion right. but there there is like a there is a stereotype for the angry black man out there 
And I could see the studio's warning to avoid that. But at the same time, like what you're saying and what I'm also agreeing with, Ray mm-hmm. Fisher is like, I don't see it like that, guys. You know, um, I kind of like what my man Snyder is doing over here and what Terrio's written and Will mm-hmm. Bill. So um, I don't know what the problem is. Um, so yeah, if like, anything, like you, you can't would say... you can't go through his fucking body's been blown yeah. to smithereens as well. You can be yeah. a little fucking <laughs> angry, man. Also, that's true to the comics. Like it's, yeah. it's of course, like you know, Batman can be angry about his parents being dead, but Cyborg can't. You know, like yeah. it's basic human emotion given what happened to him. Uh, what was something? There's something else I was going to say, but I lost it. I think there. Well, just to co- to cover that just real quick. Th- I mean, and to kind of circle back to everything mm-hmm. we've been talking about. Um, you know, I've, I've had conversation with, with, with black friends before about certain issues and this and that. And uh, oftentimes, for me as a white person, it's like, uh, how can I say it? it? The issue: white people are in third grade in racist school, whereas black people are PhDs. Right. <laughs> they just have. It's just we wh- white people don't know fucking anything. That's how I felt. Like it felt like a lot of times the issue was way deeper than I ever expected going in and then mm. I just had a conversation or two or three or four or whatever with with black friends of mine in the past and you know like the first reaction is like damn this is fucking way way deeper than I expected this this issue or that issue or whatever and 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 you know I'm what I'm tr- what I'm trying to relate here is like you know it just seems like weed and the Jeff Johns probably need to have a a longer conversation with Fisher, you know, um, and uh, and yeah, and I, you know, and and that's basically it. Not that I'm the wokest guy in the fucking world or anything. I'm not trying to be like that, but you know, I'm not trying to. I, I always always feel like I have to disclaim that, I guess. But um, <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, go ahead, right. Ben. Yeah, I think that I think what they did probably ended up not probably it did end up being worse because what it led to was basically an erasure of his actual story. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. Like, there's nothing there's nothing memorable about the cyborg in the twenty seventeen cut. Like Ray Fisher does the best that he can, but he's given like actors can only do so much with a crap script. And what he's given is just barely any characterization. If we don't get any exploration of nearly the amount of exploration that we got in the Snyder version. He uh, says Booya though. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get to that in a bit. But. Everybody <laughs> wants the booyah, don't you? Don't you know? <laughs> uh, but I, I would say what they did was worse because it is, you know, what does it look like? You, you want to avoid, you know, quote unquote, we want to avoid the angry black man stereotype. So we'll subsequently uh, delete all the black people from this movie or reduce them in favor of the white people because that's better. Dude, like, really? This, this is like, yeah, I mean, that's terrible. There's, there's, there's also like a, this is going to be related, trust me, but there's a TikTok video out where, I mean, the guy's right wing, but he was saying that, like, now that we've taken Aunt Jemima and um, all the black um, people's faces off of every product imaginable, now there's mm-hmm. only white people's faces on products in the stores. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. And, and so it's like, mm, man, I, I mean, maybe, uh, okay, see, I'm telling you, it's always co- more complicated than... And you first think, you know, so it's, it's just yeah, like, yeah. And it's, it's, it's like, I guess, I don't know. Let us know out there if, 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 if you're black and, and, and let's continue this conversation. Um, but, um, I don't know. Let me know what you think about that. Cause 
you know, I was like, damn, this guy, this is, again, I, again, I lean left, but I'll listen to people. And that was like, hmm, this is a salient point, maybe, <laughs> you know. Yeah, maybe now, that's not such a good thing. Yeah. Now the mar- now the supermarket's full of just white faces. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know anymore, man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's one of those things. Where I'm just like, it's not. I don't even think it's my place to even speak for Asians for myself because I'm just like I can only speak for my specific experience as a Chinese American who grew up in Orange County. Well, you I need you need the panel. That's why Asians. that's why you need yeah, the yeah, panel. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Because we're all going to have differing opinions. Yeah. On uh, on that, but yeah, in general, the, there was obviously no panel here. It was a bunch of yeah. white people with money thinking that they could make decisions on what could happen with this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Fisher has also accused Johns of calling him specifically to gloat about the fact that there was going to be a new cyborg in the Doom Patrol TV show. Now, naturally. Because of the fact the Doom Patrol show was not going to be in the same continuity as the DC Extended Universe. It made sense for them to do that. And, you know, this is not anything against the the British actor playing Cyborg and that Joyvin Wade. Uh, But Fisher said that it it felt that Johns, who hadn't talked to him in a year, was only calling him to gloat about that. Uh, I I don't know why. If that is true, that's, you know, it's not good. uh, People have noted. That guy's way richer than him way there's he has absolutely you know i mean his career was he's more well known he was already probably a millionaire before movies from comics you know one of the few people that did that with comics um well at least i don't know maybe well yeah maybe near millionaire and then he started Mm -hmm. doing movie shit you know and tv and stuff so uh, and Maybe it's ego more than anything. It's just it's just ego. It's just kicking somebody when they're down, man. If if it is true, mm-hmm. yeah. So uh, yeah. Do you remember how Cyborg was introduced in Doom Patrol? Oh man, I saw it and I. It was a while forgot. ago. Yeah. Season one, season one, episode two. Yeah. Season one, episode two. There's a woman at an ATM. Oh my god! And he's able to talk to her through that. So it's the ATM again. It's the ATM again, and he shows up in a hoodie. Wow. Yeah. Filmed after Zack Snyder's Justice League, because most of, a majority of this movie, pretty much everything up until the last twenty minutes or so uh, in the nightmare scene, uh, was shot in twenty sixteen. Okay. So we have to put that in context here, right? Right. Uh, right. So the execs, the Warner Brothers execs, watched the Justice League cut, and they're like, even, "This is great." No, they even they knew it was awful, according really? to the Vanity Fair o- wow, article. Holy one shit. of the, and, an anonymous exec said, quote, it was so awkward because nobody wanted to admit what a piece of shit it was. <laughs> We're going to have to release this shit now. <laughs> uh, Chris Nolan and Deborah Snyder went to a screening. I'm not sure if it was the same one. Uh, they went to a screening and they both made a pact and they went to Zack Snyder and said, quote, you can never see this movie. Deborah yeah. Snyder said it would break it would break Zack's heart. So uh, Deborah Snyder did see it. Deborah Snyder has seen it. Zach, as of this recording, has not. However, I recently read a report saying that now that his cut is released, he might watch it. Oh, God. Just because, I mean, at this point, it's like it's not going to be heartbreaking so much as you can just laugh and be like, okay, like that's what people were talking about. Because, like, he gets he got his vindication, he got his own cut out there, and everybody knows which one is better. Dude, I mean, he's standing on like a unique position as a director. Where mm-hmm. he has like this very clear example of something even more than the usual director's cut, just to show all the fans, you know, like if you just fucking trust me, uh, you know, you're gonna get something better than if you didn't trust me, right? 
So Which was true. It just <laughs> it's, a, it's just a real shining example that he's got. I mean, he's been put through the ringer, and, and you know he's obviously you know sadly will never never get his daughter back but um which is absolutely you know you can't really make that comparison with the movie but he career wise and art wise it's um he's come out on top for the better i think because of this this struggle i think i feel like this movie editing this movie and finishing it has sort of helped him and his family heal given the fact that it is dedicated to his daughter his daughter was the one he was making this partially making this for you know and so to be able to complete this vision and show it to all the world to see and for everyone to know autumn snyder's name and and you know we'll get into the whole campaign for suicide prevention in a bit but it's uh it it was definitely a cathartic experience i would i would imagine from his perspective man and yeah i think you're right and i think just again knowing the artist behind the art you know i just i don't know what it is man maybe just the stories about autumn have gotten to me i don't know what it is but mm-hmm. i just accept the dark snyder stuff i accept batman killing kind of now if it's coming from snyder i ex- <laughs> i accept like the scene with iris that has absolutely nothing to do with the plot overall because it was directed so artistically it's uh, one of those things where you have to excuse it because you're just like, I can't think of a better scene, though, <laughs> to introduce Barry Allen's speed in almost like, I mean, we'll get to it when we get to that episode, but to me it was like, oh, like they're kind of doing what they did with Quicksilver in X-Men Days of Futures Past. And then when it kept going, I was like, oh, it's not it's not Quicksilver in Days of Futures Past. This is a meet-cute. I like, mean, this yeah, is a yeah, yeah. romantic comedy scene just with superpowers in a way like it's it's very elegant and artistic as you said yeah i'm just like this got replaced with him doing sharpieing glasses on a guy's face by whedon is ridiculous (laughs) yeah the way that scene was cut and edited and shot and all that directed i mean it was yeah it's just so artfully done the execution was so was so good that you just i don't know i just like i don't give a fuck if it has nothing to do with the plot i just totally forgive it like that with the fucking with the singing icelandic women too it's just like i like i like you uh, this in this day and age and i like marvel stuff i'm never gonna shit on marvel unless they really go downhill you know as a as a fan i'm a fan of both of these things i you know Mm -hmm. the dc versus marvel thing is i think is dumb who wins in dc versus marvel the fans do the fans win (laughs) <laughs> if if one of the others loses so anyway yeah so it's like um it's just like marvel's so like they got like this cookie cutter thing going on which works for them but now you get to see just a director just do like really artistic flourishes mm-hmm. with with his directing and his and the way he does a scene um it's just honestly refreshing as fuck man you oh, know? it definitely is. It is like I think that yeah. There was there was this feeling before, like <laughs> obviously this this has not aged well, but there was a feeling around the time that uh, you know Nolan was out and Snyder was just starting with Man of Steel around like 2012 or 2013 that like oh like Marvel can like do their superhero stuff, but DC is all about like you know getting all these different directors' visions again. Like this is not really <laughs> this is not aged that well considering what we know now of Warner Brothers' interference with. Snyder's visions here but like there is a point to it though in terms of like you don't I can't see some like the closest we've gotten in terms of like the 
unique directors' voices in the Marvel stuff is James Gunn and Taika Waititi, I would say. Right. Uh, everyone else is kind of like around the same general outline of it. And it works well because I think in that instance, Kevin Feige is such a huge fan of everything. You know, he was sneaking in X-Men comics on the X-Men set when Brian Singer was prohibiting them. He, he, you know, know, he goes he, way back to that. Oh, really? That's cool. Yeah, he, he knows yeah. what makes it tick. I mean... It's yeah, uh, he that's knows that's the art. Yeah, that's their thing. They're uh, Marvel. The MCU is like the the grandest TV show of all time. Yeah, um, their movies. A lot of it's movies, but it's kind of a TV style of filmmaking in a sense as well. Whereas DC is still doing kind of more old. I mean, yeah, it's kind of old school compared to what Marvel's doing, but you know, tradition traditional. Yeah, filmmaking yeah. where the director really has. Well, generally, anyway, has a has a say. I mean, look at look at Joker, <laughs> look at Joker and Shazam, for example. You know, you know mm-hmm. that's uh, definitely like you know director led. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so the Justice League earned six hundred fifty seven million dollars globally, but it had nearly three hundred million dollar budget, including the twenty five million dollar reshoots, as well as uh, one hundred million to one hundred fifty million in marketing costs. So that return was considered to be a a money loser, especially considering the fact that, like, the very, you know, a few months later was Avengers Infinity War at $2 billion. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, not at all the whole, like, we got to catch up to, to Marvel type of feeling to it. Um, so let's go into, you know, that was the release in 2017. So how did this get released in 2021? Well, before he left Warner Brothers, Snyder took his cut. He took his laptop, which had the unfinished four-hour cut, no visual effects, no music, I think it was even in black and white, according to some sources. Uh, and it was basically a rough cut. It's common to edit in black and white. Oh, Max. I think it's yeah. com- it's even if the movie's not going to be released in black and white, uh, it might be edited in black and white for... I don't even know why. It's just something that they do. I forget. There might be some He also reason. showed, like, whenever he was showing preview, he started showing preview images of his cut on Vero, which is, like, the, his main social media app. The only people on Vero are Snyder. Snyder-related, yeah. Yeah, uh, but they is were all Dustin black and white. Vero? I think Dustin might be on Vero. <laughs> it probably is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyways... It, it was obvious to fans, even if even before we knew the full details of it, it was obvious, like, somebody fucked with this movie because we got Superman with the CG face. We got all these moments in the trailers that didn't make into the movie, and that started a hashtag that started a movement, which is hashtag release the Snyder Cut. So, and we never thought it would happen. Grew, yeah, and this grew into a huge movement. They had a single-engine airplane fly a banner that said release the Snyder Cut, around both the studio lot of Warner Brothers and Burbank, as well as one of the San Diego Comic-Cons. They pulled together resources to buy a Times Square billboard to say it. Now, you know, it was a huge outpouring of love for Snyder and wanting to get his, um, you know, wanting to get his cut out there. However, just like any movement, uh, there's also a minority that sort of gives it a bad name. So a lot of people might associate this movement with uh, the sort of toxicity that uh, a minority of its fans have displayed in terms of attacking anyone who was against their cause. They were even attacking critics who said they didn't like Man of Steel or Batman vs. Superman. Uh, keep in mind, I just want to say, this is not unique to just uh, fans of Zack Snyder. Some people you know, might associate it purely with Snyder, but A, Snyder has denounced them, uh, as well as his wife uh, has denounced them, and uh, I would say that toxicity in terms of fandom is 
parts of all types of fandom. You get that in Star Wars, certainly. Look at what happened with Kelly Marie Tran. You can take a look at yeah, uh, even even when uh, Chris Nolan was doing the Dark Knight trilogy. We, you know, people sort of associate the bad Rotten Tomato scores with Snyder's films, but when The Dark Knight Rises was getting less uh, of a critical reception, less of a great critical reception compared to The Dark Knight, people were sending death threats to the critics. I remember that back in 2012. Right. So that this is not something that is, you know, unique to Snyder. This has been around for a long time, this kind of part. And I think part of it just comes from the frustration, you know, of as a comic book fan, you sort of grew up as, you know, a lot of times you grow up feeling like an outsider and the frustration of that. That's why you relate to comics. And especially if you grew up, you know, around the time that we did in the 80s and 90s where comics were just not seen as that cool and there weren't really a lot of superhero stuff and that was nerd shit. You, you know, you kind of grow up with this resentment of, like, you know, wanting other people to see that and wanting to, you know, fight back in a way. So I can see where that came from. But Snyder has said, quote, I 100% think it's wrong. I don't think anyone should be calling anyone anything. Uh, in terms of specifically Is Snyder the wokest director, bro? I'm really starting to see a pattern here. <laughs> Snyder, <laughs> Snyder. <laughs> I don't know, man. It just, it just seems like it's karma karma has caught up with Snyder in a good way you know what yeah, I'm saying yeah, like yeah. Uh, again I'm not going to name any names but um, you and I both know several people that have been involved with Snyder on his sets on various sets in the past and as I, I don't know fucking anybody that said anything bad about him personally like even if you don't like his movies like everybody just says like he's fucking awesome ass director you know like on, yeah, just yeah. on on set being with them, it's a good vibe generally speaking, um, compared to other sets that these people have been on. Again, no names, but uh, it's contrast just, that with Whedon. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's yeah, contrast that. So it's just yeah, it's it, I, I'm really you know, I'm I'm not religious, but I'm starting to see I'm starting to see karma at work here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we do have to acknowledge as well. There's toxicity on the other side of this yeah uh, not just the fans of Snyder uh, there are people who were claiming for years that the Snyder Cut did not exist and calling fans crazy and delusional for wanting it uh, it's not I mean I would say that's on the lower tier of it but then you have the extremes of people who hate Snyder's film so much that they claim that Snyder himself drove his own daughter to suicide which is just fucking crossing that's the ridiculous line. yeah like that's like fuck you, whoever thinks that. Don't even watch our show if you if you believe that. There's awful shit on the internet, man. Just just yeah. try to ignore it. Don't let it get so, to you. So this is yeah. Are you talking to Snyder or to me? I'm talking to you. Well, and well, and, I, I don't really. And everybody. I, I mean, that's not. I mean, it's not. It's not my daughter they're talking about. You know. I know. Uh, well, yeah, but yeah. But this is why we wanted to do our own uh, series. We have our own series, Man of Steel, Snyder versus Critics, as well as Batman versus Superman, Snyder versus Critics, because we wanted to show that we can understand and appreciate. Snyder's films and read up on them and really educate ourselves on what his intentions were while still having our own, you know, criticism for it. We can we can love it. You know, Andrew has said on here, you love Man of Steel as well as agree with every single criticism you've heard about it. Just about, yeah, time. I mean, and then that always confuses people. It's like, you agree with all the stuff that I don't like about it, but you still like it, unlike, uh, like, <laughs> I don't know, yeah, people, people I think are uh, confused, but it is I don't know, man. I mean, I defended Man of Steel for years. Still don't love the neck snap and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, it's just... Yeah. It was just a... I thought it was cool, you know? It's 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 subjective. Yeah, and, and I think that it's it's 
it's something that's possible because it's like, why wouldn't you want to try to enjoy the most <laughs> out of what you've seen? You know, why wouldn't yeah, you try to yeah. do that? Why would you just want to hate? Yeah, uh, so that's I'm, right. We also wanted to show that we can have those criticisms without, you know, you can obviously criticize a movie without disrespecting the artist or talking about him as a father or any of the other personal lines, you know, stuff that lines that, you know, you just do not cross I think, right, as a, as right, a critic. Right. Um, the fan base, the Snyder movement has contributed half a million dollars to the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention thanks to uh, efforts with donations, uh, merchandising, auctioning off props, uh, basically one of the great victories you know, Snyder's at one point even said, like, forget the movie. Like, what you guys did to raise awareness for suicide prevention. That's the real story. Yeah. According to him. You know, it was it's almost like, to him, that was a victory more so than even getting the uh, the movie out. The movie on top. The movie was kind of like a cherry on top. Right, right, right. Uh, in November 2019, a quote-unquote knowledgeable insider told Variety that the Snyder Cut, quote, was a pipe dream. There's no way it's ever happening. <laughs> That did well, not age well, did it? Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, around that time in November 2019, Toby Emmerich calls Zack Snyder saying, hey, what if we release the Snyder Cut on HBO Max? HBO Max is coming out in 2020. What if we just did it? And Snyder was like, okay. And Warner Brothers is like, okay, so just release the footage that's on your laptop. <laughs> they did not want him to f- They did not want him to finish it. Was it seriously the whole fucking Snyder Cut's on one fucking hard drive? That is, that's just crazy to me. I mean, maybe they're simplifying it for the sake of the story, but <laughs> maybe I hope at least backed up hours. one on one other drive as well. <laughs> you pro- it was probably a laptop with like three other drives or something. Never, mean, never save it not. only on one drive, especially <laughs> something like that. <laughs> like, whoops, I lost the movie. Now you we kidding have to me, man? It. Yeah. <laughs> um, so initially, uh, yeah, they wanted him to just release the raw footage, and he said, "Fuck no." Yeah, that's uh, ridiculous. And they're like, well, why not? Because it's like, you know, you don't have to... You already did the work. And Snyder says, because uh, I know why you want me to release the, the footage. To release it like that. Uh, quote, there are three reasons. One, you get the internet off your back, which is probably your main reason for wanting to do this. Two, you get to feel vindic- vindicated for making things right, I guess, on some level. And then three, you get a shitty version of the movie that you can point and go, see, it's not that good anyway, so maybe I was right. No chance. I would rather just have the Snyder Cut be a mythical unicorn for all time. Right, right, right. He made the right decision there. Oh hell yeah, yeah. No, I mean that's I. W- I think we would have done the same thing. You know, <laughs> definitely, definitely. Uh, so it's not, like, it's not like Snyder didn't have anything else going on either. I mean, he's got major residuals <laughs> going on, yeah. and he's got uh, Army of the Dead coming out. Like you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Snyder Cut was then announced during a virtual commentary on Vero with Zach and Henry Cavill, as well as a panel of fans where they got to do a Q&A with the fans. And at the end, uh, Henry Cavill said that uh, Zach should show it. And Zach showed an image of a promotional image of the Justice League of Tech saying that the Snyder Cut was on its way to HBO Max in 2021. So Cavill, Cavill did show support early yeah, on. Yeah, he was, he was part of the original announcement. That is cool. I remember yeah. hearing something that he maybe he was just being political, but like I thought he was kind of the only one that was team Whedon at the time. But uh, maybe he's I don't know. Who knows why? I, mean, I don't even know what these, I'm remembering at this point. A lot of these actors have to say a lot of stuff for publicity. You know, like at the during the time of when the Justice League was first released, I definitely remember you know Henry Cavill saying that he was happy with the portrayal of Superman on that. But also like you're an actor whose movie was just released, you're not going to be like well. 
you know, my boy Ray Fisher got fucked over. And Ray, we're not going to talk about yeah, that. Yeah, Ray Fisher also was <laughs> pro Whedon for a hot second, but he was, you know, you know, being, he had to be, yeah. being paid. Yeah, it's interesting with with Fisher because he's, you know, it was his first movie, right? And he had kind of nothing to lose, which is um, why you get this battle with him in the studio now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll get into that in a bit, but uh, Snyder estimates it costs $70 million in basically finishing up the movie with uh, the virtual effects uh, and everything, but this is important to note. Uh, Snyder was, uh, Snyder did not get paid. He's like, I'm not that getting paid anything. That is interesting, dude. Okay. Uh, quote, I didn't want to be beholden to anyone and it allowed me to keep my negotiating powers with these people pretty strong. Yeah. So man. he was I'm already like paid. Snyder more and more now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he was already more. paid for the production in 2016. So he was just like, I don't need money. I don't need the money. Give the money to the you know pay the people who can actually finish this, but don't pay me. Snyder is doing all right. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Other than yeah, family issues. Um, don't cry for Snyder. <laughs> yeah, like a lot of way. a lot of critics have brought a lot of critics have brought up like you need seventy million to finish this crap. You could have used that money for like COVID research or something. But I'd argue no, it was the studio, the studio who wasted money in trying to change it with twenty five at least twenty five million dollars in reshoots. And look look at all the bad publicity and all the money that they wasted on something that was a shittier version of this movie. This that movie was where the money was also wasted. raised a shitload of awareness for suicide prevention. Otherwise people you know how, probably a lot of people google what why what is for autumn about you know like how yeah people that don't know much about the movie and you know i think uh that probably happened more than um more than you think uh we also need to go into the fact that you know that movie di- that money did go to post-production workers who were in need of work during the pandemic that is you know? also true are you fucking kidding me yeah this is karma of like a motherfucker for snyder <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? I didn't even think about that. Dude, holy yeah. shit, man. <laughs> uh, virtual effects director uh, Tamara Watts-Kent said, quote, Zach had a film that was already shot. Post can be done safely at home, and the VFX company really needed the work. It's on April boom, 30th. Boom, boom. Snyder just on, fucking given. Just yeah. gives. Given gives. On April 30th, we were surprised and thrilled to hear the film was a go because they needed the work. Otherwise, they would have, you know, they given wouldn't have had gifts. anything. Yeah, exactly. So this helped, you know, for all those people, it's just like, this could have gone to COVID research. I'm just like, look at all the money that went to suicide prevention and look at all the money that went to people in need of work in the entertainment industry who are not millionaires, who are not in mansions. They're not the George Clooney's or the quote unquote Hollywood elite. Like, educate yourself. These are Warner like, Brothers not giving out seven. I mean, it's bad, yeah. probably, but they're not going to give out 70 million for COVID research. It's just not what Warner Brothers is going to do. Oh, yeah, that do. too. Like, Especially in the middle of a pandemic. They're doing this they're because gonna, they want to fucking bring out. Uh, yeah. HBO Max has got to compete with Disney Plus. That's what it fucking boils down to. They're it's, dropping that money to get more money. It's DC versus Marvel in a sense on streaming platforms. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Snyder then asked to shoot more footage uh, that he places in the final twenty minutes. Twenty, 20 minutes, which Warner Brothers said no. Uh, and Snyder said, uh, "Quote: One of the rules of making the Snyder cut was that the studio said no shooting of any kind." And then I just, of course, shot stuff anyway because suddenly. <laughs> Wait, there's rules now on this? I didn't know. This is his correct quote. <laughs> Wait, he shot, he he scheduled reshoots without Warner Brothers express. Yeah. Ex- are you serious? He, he said that he How shot How do you do that? He he said that uh the reshoots are done basically in his backyard. Wow. There you know yeah. that shot of Diana standing with the um uh, arrow. Um there's one shot I think. It looks like it just yeah. looks like total green screen, but it's just like, dude, 
Well, I don't know if that part I don't, was from that, but yeah. I, uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't give a fuck. I'm, I'm, I also, I'm on record saying on my Facebook anyway. I, don't, I'm not really that picky about bad CG or CG that's not up to snuff with everybody. I'll take else. bad CG over bad script. Yeah, I'll, exactly. That's how I am too. So <laughs> it, it's just for me personally. CG is the a, worst of your, yeah, the least of your problems. It's not, yeah, point. not a big deal. And like, it's cool that he shot it in his backyard. Pretty much, that's awesome. We're spoiled by the amount of, of CG. We are not spoiled by the uh, quality of screenwriting. Right, right, I would right, say right. these days. Right. So that's why I would appreciate that a lot more. The reality um, is made in the acting for me a lot of the time. Like you buy, yeah, that you too. buy that reality because it's because of the actors a lot of the time. That's how I feel anyway. Mm. Uh, yeah. So uh, that's why I would say that it takes even more talent to act against a green screen than it does uh, because of the fact that you have to use your imagination and act believably. In that some Definitely. people, you know, shit on superhero actors for like selling out and and you know acting with all these effects. So I'm just like, if anything, that's more of a challenge from a craft standpoint because you literally don't have anything to react to. Like, how easy is it for you to get somebody scared by just scaring them and filming the reaction? You can do that with anybody who's not an actor. Right. Now right. have somebody pretend to be scared with somebody they can't even see and do that believably to the point that when you actually put that in the movie and all the effects, that you know nobody in the audience is just like, Psh, that's fake. You know? Right, right, right. Uh, according to Snyder, Warner Brothers executives see the Justice League as canon and that this is just a one and done. Quote, they consider the theatrical cut as canon and that my cut as the Elseworlds other kind of some kind of cul-de-sac. We know the terms. Uh, Snyder also made sure to cut the studio mandated stuff that he shot as well as ensure that everything that was in the movie was specifically stuff that he did. He said, quote, I would destroy the movie. I would set it on fire before I would use a single frame that I did not photograph. <laughs> In reference to the weed and cut. Yeah. I mean, can you blame him? Bro, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, no, I can't. I can't. I can't blame him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Ray Fisher took to Twitter in July 2020 to accuse Joss Whedon of abusive behavior and accuse John Berg and Jeff Johns of enabling uh, Whedon's behavior, describing it as gross, abusive, unprofessional, and completely unacceptable. Uh, that same day, John Burke was the only one to respond, and his big come, you know, comeback to him was, quote, I remember Fisher being upset that we wanted him to say booyah, which is a well-known saying of Cyborg in the Teen Titans animated series. That's his response. Yeah, I don't that know, That is man. a weak-ass response. I, don't, I just don't know if any, like, I mean, let us know, if Cyborg fans out there, what you thought of that and, like, you know. If the addition of Booyah or the yeah, fact that he yeah, didn't want the to addition the addition of Booyah like what did that really do it for you or or not you know let's yeah. let's, let's 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 hear it in the comments I guess I mean I for me I didn't you know he says it in Injustice he says it in the cartoons like uh, I, I mean it seems like a holdover from the 90s to be honest with you I don't know it how comes from the Teen Titans animated series it doesn't come from the comics it doesn't even come from the comics does it oh wow no, no. wait so Teen, Teen Titans Go no, Teen Titans. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Yeah, but but still, if God, if it's not even from the comics, and it's just like, who gives a shit? I don't know. I, it's 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 white people writing black people. Maybe <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I mean I, I think the best person to respond to this would be Carrie Payton, who's the one who yeah. has was voicing Cyborg for years yeah. on that show and on Teen Titans Go. So uh, I would say he would be the one to chime in on that. But uh, you know, in terms of what how it's like in, in Justice League, it was basically just there for fan service. And it's obviously, you know, you got Ray Fisher saying, like, there was a piece of behavior, and the best that this guy can hit back with is, like, well, you didn't want to say booyah, so, you know. Yeah, that's, it's weak. You're the villain. Like, really? Come it's on. It's weak. 
Uh, when giving more information on what led him to speak out, Ray Fisher said, quote, what set my soul on fire and forced me to speak out about Joss Whedon this summer was my becoming informed that Joss had ordered that the complexion of an actor of color be changed in post-production because he didn't like the color of their skin tone. That's fucking wild to me, man. Yeah. So, uh, like, again, I'm, I don't... How do I say this? Um, I know it's a thing amongst black people where they talk about like uh, you know lighter skinned black people seem to be more accepted uh, in white Mm -hmm. society in in America Um, Mm -hmm. correct me if I'm wrong on that but I feel like I've heard that before and um, I just never really understood I just didn't think that I don't know I I just never really thought about that myself so I didn't really know that was a thing, but now you hear the story about like, you know, Whedon like actively doing it. You know, if it is true, it's it's just wild, man. I feel like that's just insane. It's just, <sighs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know what to say, what else to say about yeah. it. What yeah. do you, What do you feel about that? I mean, again, I feel like this is this is something that's asking about the people involved. But uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. co- just just FYI, like color correcting is a thing in post production, regardless of who's in your movie. Like in terms of changing the color palette, you can see that in the difference between the two cuts. You cut, well, uh, you, you, it's you can change the color of the frame or the costume a bit. Uh, you know, filters the, and, and everything. Uh, but, the, but, uh, but specifically, skin color about, though is is definitely yeah. Race talking uh, about a racially a whole, motivated reason behind it. A whole uh, that's a whole other deal, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Warner Media took uh, basically took on the investigation, but Fisher initially called out that the original investigator uh, was coming from Warner Brothers Studios itself, not from its owner, Warner Media, which means that the investigator was obviously biased in favor of Warner Brothers. Uh, the new investigator was Judge Catherine Forrest, or a former judge, uh, now an attorney. And the investigation has reportedly involved uh, two, at least two other people, two other women. Uh, there's probably others, but the the two who I found, one of the most famous ones is Charisma Carpenter. Uh, Charisma Carpenter uh, played Cordelia on Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel, uh, both run by Joss Whedon. And she accused Joss of abusive behavior during her time on both those shows, uh, including, you know, especially during the time when she was pregnant. And Joss Whedon basically flat out asked her if she was going to keep it. Uh, as of this recording, That's Joss insane, Whedon man. has yet to respond to these accusations from him, uh, from Ray Fisher or Charisma Carpenter or Michelle Trachtenberg, who was in the show when she was 16 years old. And the only thing that she basically shared the day that Charisma Carpenter came out and spoke was, quote, there was a rule to never leave Joss alone with her in a room again. So that's insane, man. I know who Michelle knows Trachtenberg what happened. From- Harriet the Spy, one of the first Same. Nickelodeon movies. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah I remember that. Yes. Um, another Here's another person who uh, a lot of people have talked about as well. Another person involved with the Justice League investigation was uh, Nadria Tucker, uh, a writer on Krypton as well as Superman and Lois, who okay. uh, was let go uh, and has been basically pretty vocal about the a lot of the uh, experiences that she had uh, working on that show. Uh, she took to Twitter to accuse Jeff Johns of basically white-splaining things to her, saying, quote, I haven't spoken to Jeff since the day on Krypton when he tried to tell me what is and is not a black thing. Uh, oh, yeah, Nadria Tucker is African-American, by the way. Yeah, that's uh, – it's just the evidence is mounting up, isn't it? Yep, yep. <laughs> it's, Also, it's I don't think I've heard – Jeff Johns, like Joss Whedon, has not said anything. It's not just from Ray Fisher at this point. It would – it most certainly would seem 
Ben. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, mean, I believe Ray Fisher before. I think yeah. the more people coming out just makes this case stronger. It doesn't make me suddenly... It does indeed seem you know. strong. Yes. Uh, when people, people said Nedria owed Twitter more information, she said, quote, HR saw my receipts. The Justice League investigation saw my receipts. They have already chosen how to respond. Now I'm responding to their lack of response. I owe this hell site nothing. Uh, Nadra, as of the day of this recording, has brought up that Warner Brothers has yet to pay her for the full season of Superman and Lois, saying, quote, The point is that I, a black woman, did the work and Warner Brothers is refusing to pay me for it. When I took the job on Krypton, my manager was like, I don't like Warner Brothers for you. And I was like, what could go wrong? Now I know. End quote. Well, it seems like a mess, man. Uh, it is. So, uh, yeah. And also, uh, correct me if I'm wrong on the pronunciation on this for anybody who might be listening in. I'm just going off of it phonetically, but uh, I might be mistaken. Anyways, after concluding its investigation, Warner Brothers announced that remedial action had been taken, though the studio didn't offer specifics. It seems like that remedial action came in the form of uh, letting go of Joss Whedon from his HBO Max show, The Nevers, uh, back in November. Uh, however, it seems like the tactic was for Whedon to be the only one punished for this because while Ray Fisher is outspoken in blaming Toby Emmerich, Jeff Johns, and John Berg for being complicit in the abuse, uh, all of them are still currently in their positions. Uh, the current head of DC Films, Walter Hamada, was not, you know, the head of DC Films during the time of Justice League's productions, but he did become involved in this when Ray Fisher was making accusations. And according to Fisher, Hamada uh, called him up to try to protect Jeff Johns and John Berg and have Fisher just throw Whedon under the bus. Uh, Fisher refused, and uh, promptly Ray Fisher's part was dropped from the upcoming Flash movie which uh, Fisher has obviously cited as retaliation for him speaking out against what happened with him and DC Films. Man, uh, just, yeah. uh, just awful. All this shit. It's a... Uh, God he also man. has been pretty vocal about the fact that Whedon himself is not the only one responsible for what happened with this. The studio is complicit, and Jeff Johns was uh, an uncredited contributor to the writing of the Justice League script. Uh, right, right, now, right. there's a lot of conspiracy theories about what happened during the release a couple weeks ago. A week before its release, the film accidentally leaked out for an hour when view viewers were trying to watch Tom and Jerry. Something that I don't think has really happened on any streaming service where you click it and it's a completely different movie. So you think Especially there was a movie that's, sabotage going on somewhere? I mean, how often does that happen? It, it could but be, it could be it somebody could be. that's like a Snyder fan in... Uh, you know, at, at HBO Max streaming headquarters. I don't know if yeah. Snyder... I don't think Snyder's behind those buttons, you know what I mean? Oh, it's, no, no, no. I'm not saying that Snyder was behind it. I'm saying that maybe there were, You know, a lot of the conspiracy theorists say that this this was some sort of sabotage it's a in a way fan, to leak it maybe. out. A fan at the company that... Yeah. Uh, that uh, that you it know, is fucking pulled strange, the switch <laughs> for yeah. a little bit just for fun. Somebody that didn't care to get fired that day yeah. as well, I guess. Uh, I guess we'll, we'll never know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, on the Monday of its release, there was supposed to be a select virtual screening for a lot of the, the fans who were personally invited, only for it to undergo technical difficulties and not show excuse me, not show anything for hours, leaving fans in the afternoon on hold from being able to watch the film until the evening. Uh, whether these are deliberate or not, the film has released on HBO Max, and as of, the, of this recording, there are no announced plans to continue any of Zack Snyder's ideas for the films or to bring back Ray Fisher as Cyborg in any capacity. Toby Emmerich remains in his position as Warner Brothers, uh, the, the head of Warner Brothers Group. Jeff Johns continues to be producer on the CWDC shows like Batwoman, Superman and Lois, Stargirl, etc., and co-wrote Wonder Woman 1984. 
Uh, Ad Sarnoff, in charge of Warner Media Studio as CEO, says there are no plans to continue the Snyderverse and uh, brought up that they were happy with the results of the investigation that basically uh, uh, cleared all the execs involved. And uh, Ray Fisher hit back saying, quote, apparently some folks at Warner Media think that a room full of, of executives saying we can't have an angry black man at the center of this movie and then reducing, removing all black and POC from that movie isn't racist. Odd. <laughs> So uh, the hashtag release the Snyder Cut has grown into restore the Snyderverse to have Snyder continue his vision. And uh, we'll just end it with a Vanity, Vanity Fair's article ends with a great callback to Autumn Snyder wondering, what is my worth? What am I supposed to do? What am I about? And it says, quote, at the end, Zack Snyder is answering Autumn's questions for himself with the release of this movie. So uh, regardless of whether you like or hate the movie or the films like you might not even like either version of the justice league movie but it's hard not to root for snyder at least getting it out there like the victory itself is the release of this movie the fact that, that it happens true. to be the fact that we happen to have loved it is a huge cherry on top i would say yeah i think so um so. i mean i'm just Thoughts glad, on it, this, I'm glad uh, it exists i'm sad that warner brothers yeah. is still saying they won't restore the snyder verse but you know uh, never say never, I guess. I mean, look what happened here with this one. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, any thoughts on or anything you didn't already know before? I didn't know a lot of that, actually. I didn't know a lot of the details. Well, I didn't know maybe half of it. Um, mm -hmm. Of course, I knew about Autumn, and I knew Ray Fisher. Right. I didn't know that. I, I, I maybe I read about the angry black man part of it. I, I just... That was bad, and I try to forget it. I try to, I try to, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Just try to think positive during the pandemic. I forgot about that. <laughs> forgot about that part. But yeah, that's um, you know, that wasn't good. <laughs> Bold statement by me, <laughs> but um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, uh, yeah. I don't know. It's it's good to go over this. This is a lot lot different tone than what we normally uh, how we normally uh, converse here on this podcast. But uh, mm -hmm. this subject matter. Uh, you know, more or less requires this kind of change in our in our normal tone. So, and I yeah. think we're beyond the many here, but uh, <laughs> I think it's hard to it's hard to not um, you know cover this in detail as as you just did. So, right, I, I felt like if I kind of just did broad strokes on the Ray Fisher investigation, it would it wouldn't do uh, you know no pun intended, but it wouldn't do justice to his story or what he's been through or what the drama is uh on it so that's uh why this is kind of its own episode as opposed to being part of our uh justice league coverage but we are doing a full breakdown of the different cuts of justice league in our series called justice league snyder versus whedon where we go into why the snyder cut is better but keep in mind well we're referring to the theatrical release as the justice league or the whedon cut uh you know as we have acknowledged uh joss whedon isn't solely responsible for what we saw in 2017 so they hardly they hardly ever are um, They're mm -hmm. you know, you see their name as director, but and they do make the majority of the big decisions. But there's also the producer or set of producers breathing down their back. And then the producers have, I'm assuming anyway, the studio head itself, like Suji Hara mm -hmm. or somebody like that um, on top of them also. So, yeah, and pretty much nobody is. Well, I'm I'm assuming so Suzuhara has a it's a panel of uh or had. It's a yeah, board board members, board meetings and shit like that. So that he there's he's he's still the uh 
you know, head cheese there, but they, he's still probably answering to to a panel like you know, fucking um, Steve Jobs was was fired from Apple, <laughs> you know. So, um, <laughs> right. so uh, even if you're the CEO, you you know, even stuff stuff like that can happen. And he was sort of let go because of his scandal as well. So that's uh, you know, not mm-hmm. directly related, but still part yeah. of this whole story. So yeah, I don't know. It's a it's a wild story, man. I feel like. Was Hollywood this interesting in the 90s? Like, I, it's just weird. Like, we didn't see reshoots. We didn't see, uh, you know, actors speaking out like this. Well, before social media and stuff, they didn't really have... Man, if you're young uh, out there listening to this, like, yeah. you know, they might have said something in interviews and magazines, but before they had their own social media, they didn't have... They didn't have anything, like, really direct to their fans, like Instagram or Twitter or something, you know? So now, yeah, now and I'd also voice. say people are a lot more outspoken about abuse as opposed to right, like right, right, right. Bef- in all previous decades, people would have just taken it because they didn't want to jeopardize their careers. That's right. Whereas now right. we have, you know, all my respect goes to Ray Fisher, and that's also why I believe everything that he says because of the fact that he's he's willing to put his money where his mouth is and put his career on the line to defend, uh, basically him, not just himself, but also you know the cast members and, and fight for what's right. You know, I've I've brought this up in our Patreon episodes, but Ray Fisher's on record saying, like, hey, like Joss, John Berg, Jeff Johns, if anything I've said is untrue, feel free to sue me for defamation. <laughs> you know? He's he's that's basically true. prepared to back everything up, which that's is great. Tr- you know? That's that's true. He's really he's really going to bat or whatever. Um shit, man. Yeah. And and Snyder <laughs> Snyder giving everybody jobs during the fucking pandemic. So <laughs> that was news to me as well. I didn't think about that. <laughs> like it's just dude, it's it's Karma, man. Everybody says he's nice. And yeah. uh fuck, man. And now like it's just weird, man. Um we've said it before, but just like this whole upheaval with the nerd community with Weed and Snyder like cut from 2016 to to now it's just a different world kind of mm-hmm. the Snyder fans are always there but now it's like we see really what's going on behind behind the scenes more and more and uh god man it's just so wild it's wild like we, we it's just a different world it's changing even further I think like who yeah. knows what's going to happen after this we're only like a we're even we're less than a week as of this recording less than a week from the release of the movie right you know who knows what's going to happen from here on out that's right. That's right. But I look forward to it. Yeah, hopefully they'll reinstate the Snyderverse and people operate, other directors will operate within the Snyderverse, like, um, you know, um, Patty Jenkins and shit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and then even if they don't, you know, if it, it's still something that was unmade, like, this is still a victory. You know, as we said, you know, yeah, this is true. why that's releasing true. the Snyder Cut was true justice. If he never makes another DC movie again, but he gets to, you know, continue to have his career and everyone sort of knows you know his talent and respects him and and you know he gets what he, he wants and that's that's great for the end of the day along him along with Ray Fisher having a career you know everybody you know anybody who was involved with this who was you know a, a victim of of the meddling or abuse you know they deserve right. you know they, they've earned you know more than earned the right to, to continue to have a long and happy career of what they want to do and we can as fans start to normalize conversations about that's not how I see the character, but I respect his artistic, his or her artistic vision. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Uh, just any Certainly. kind of conversation in that in that regard, I think, is interesting because 
I mean, I don't like Batman killing people, but I just, I don't know. I really like, I like an artist getting his or her say. You know, I, I, I want you, people, of course, yeah. People say, um, you know, that's just some, not with Snyder so much, but in the past, especially when I was at film school, people would say, like, that's just the director jerking off on the screen, you know, <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> right. Like, but now it's like, I don't know. You, you, you just, not that, I don't know. It's hard to say. But yeah, mo- definitely, definitely less studio interference and just let art, like, people forget that movies are fucking art. Let a, like a fucking artist do make some artistic shit, you know. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, that's basically Absolutely. that's basically it for me. Cool. <laughs> Same here. All right. Thank you very much for joining us. Go ahead and check out our uh, uh, Justice League Snyder versus Whedon series that we're starting up, and uh, we'll see you next time. All right, everybody. Thanks for uh, for joining us on this quote unquote mini, and um, not the normal episode, but we'll get back to our regularly scheduled program in the next one so uh catch you later thanks you're listening to the geekscape network